Welcome to another episode of Your Business Story Podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Spencer, and today we're going to talk about what it means to be inclusive in the workplace for people with disabilities. Tune in. You will not want to miss this special episode. Kristen, she's on a business writing mission to make sure you know what words to say so that what you deserve is what you'll get paid. Because storytelling changes everything. Get pumped for the epic knowledge in today's episode of Your Business Story. This is episode 18 of season one, Inclusivity for People with Disabilities with Jerry Mariano. Today, I have a guest I know you're just going to love, uh, someone who has all of the business acumen that all of us want, and someone who is going to teach us today more about how to be inclusive and how to understand that people, no matter what their circumstances are, are people, and they like to be addressed by their name. So without further ado, Jerry, will you say hi to everyone for us? Hi, Kristen. Thank you so much for having me. And you're much too kind to think I have business acumen, but I think I didn't definitely speak to wanting to be known by our names. And hence, the name of my program is Just Call Me Jerry. And I look forward to spending this time with you. Yeah. And for anyone who wants to find um, Jerry online, you can head to justcallmejerry.com. Really easy to remember. So that's up on the screen right now. But um, yes, no, you definitely understand a lot of things about being a speaker. And that is a business, right? Like, is that what you do? Yes, I I started off speaking to school audiences starting way back to the littlest ones pre-K and then I built up from there and I now would like to transition more into consulting, inclusion consulting with businesses and travel and hospitality and even government agencies because they can be the worst (laughs) and even political candidates because they don't often address the needs of the people with disabilities. We're at the lowest rung of the totem pole of special interests. Right. Oh, I love how you said that. <laughs> so let, let's just start with language. Like when you, so obviously I'm going to call you Jerry. I would never yeah. be like, this is Jerry, my disabled friend. Right. right. <laughs> because that's not, no. No. But, so people get nervous, right? When they are around um, someone who they haven't been around before, like me, I get social anxiety, but then that's magnified when the person is different than than they are. Exactly, exactly. And so when I was growing up and actually um, tomorrow's a big day, I turned double nickels. So I was really excited to book this today. I thought, what better way to start a new year than having this interview with you. Oh, But as long as I can remember... People would ask, not even so much today, but maybe, you know, 30, 40 years ago, people would say, well, you know, people wanting to be conscientious and, and sense, you know, sensitive, they would say, well, what do you prefer to be called? Physically disabled, physically challenged, handicapped. I'd be like, yo, just call me Jerry. That's my name. <laughs> um, and in my school presentations, I start off, that's my first slide is you know the name just call me jerry and i say to them do you want to be known as the girl with the purple top or 
to other ones who might be wearing a Nike sweatshirt? Do you want to be known as the person wearing the Nike sweatshirt? Which actually maybe they do, but um, <laughs> still, they, I said, our names are our most important identifiers about ourselves. This is who we are. This is the first, one of the first things that we're given when we're born. So that's most important. So I appreciate you saying, you know, this is Jerry, my disciple. Obviously, no, nobody says that. This is, no. you know, Kristen, my woman friend who wears right. fun glasses, although you do. Um, <laughs> but it's yeah, also it's just, just sort of that they don't need to, know to put that in there. Anybody else. I mean, just, right. And I know that adults, especially, <laughs> Even though they've lived a lot longer, they can be more uncomfortable with people with disabilities. I think it's more because of a fear that somehow they might become disabled in some way, shape, matter, or form. But with kids, which is especially how I started way back with pre-K, they have their world is so small. So when they see somebody with a disability, they think automatically something's wrong. But when I start talking with them, which was a, a purposeful thing is that when they got to know me it was like oh that's just Jerry and that came from my growing up going to public schools actually 50 years ago this is a milestone 50 years ago when I started kindergarten and in 1972 the law didn't mandate public schools except disabled students or students with special needs or what have you and Byram Hill School District said yes and all these years later I still credit those kids who accepted me because again, kindergarten kids, kindergarten age kids are most welcoming. The parents, on the other hand, I found out in the last 15 to 20 years that they didn't want me to start kindergarten with their, with their children. What? But my parents, the principal, the school district, they were, they were committed to having me start. And then all these years later, we had neighborhood schools, and when we met with the other neighborhood schools at fifth grade and middle school, I wondered what the other kids thought. And years later, I would ask them, you know, the, the power of social media, I would reconnect with schoolmates and classmates. And they said, hey, you know, we were surprised, but we just took our lead from the Coleman Hill kids, how they treated you, and you were just mm -hmm. one of us. And then all those year, many years later in 2015, which was a really difficult year for me, I somehow found myself organizing our 30th reunion. And I, I said the words I never got to say when we were in high school. I said, thank you for accepting me because I was able to go off to college knowing I would be okay. And they said to me that I never gave them a reason to treat me anything else because to them, I was just Jerry. Hence the right. kind of the title of the program again. Yeah. So do you think then, and I know like, okay, this is how it works with everyone, right? And and I think that's what you're saying is like, treat everyone the same and consider everyone when you're making decisions. Mm -hmm. but when we are constantly told by someone else that we can't do something or we can't be something, then that affects our mental state, right? Oh, it does. I mean, my my parents who actually wanted me, my biological parents gave me up at birth and left me at the hospital. But social services did a very brave and progressive thing back in 1969, even though I was born in 67, I was put in a children's hospital. They were like, we don't want Jerry to grow up in an institution. So they put my picture in the paper, which ironically, wow. my hospital records when I was born said no pictures to be taken of this baby. But here, social workers were putting my picture in a newspaper. And 
there were applicants and Bill and Doris Mariano were the ones chosen with my three sisters. And they, my mom was determined, she was a nurse, but she was determined that I was going to do as much as I could for myself. And there was no helicopter parenting by her. I wrote a personal essay about starting kindergarten. And I, I seem to recall that she didn't walk down the hall with me into the kindergarten class. You know, she would never have stood for that. And when I did go off to college, because it was the natural thing to do. Yeah. I thought my sisters did. And although other parents and friends of my parents were like, you're letting her go off. And they're like, well, why wouldn't she? And when it came time to like, uh, you know, they unpacked my you know room and left everything and they were like, okay, bye. And I'm like, bye. <laughs> and, <laughs> but I had also grown up going to camp each summer without them. So, I mean, it was, it was the natural thing to do for me. Right. And I think, you know, behind that story is your parents and your siblings were not assuming what limitations you had. Correct. Uh, they, you know, they were, my mom was stern. She said, you know, the world, um, you know, you were dealt a bad hand. You're not going to get a red carpet rolled out for you. You're not going to be granted any special favors. And so she, she really kind of toughened me up and, that served me well, although it was sometimes hard, and, and the world could be very unforgiving and forgiving, and there are so many rules, and um, I do get state assistance because I'm not financially self-sufficient yet. I hope to be someday soon again, or maybe not soon. It might take another couple of years, but I hope to write a book. I hope to increase my speaking and consulting, but I want to be independent, and so many people think that we're just happy being at home and doing nothing. And that's so not the case. I want to be of reuse. I mean, John Irving is my favorite author. And I just saw a talk with him sponsored by his publisher because he has a new book coming out. Here I am giving free PR to John Irving. But well, his, you're excited about it. So share about it. Definitely. <laughs> his Cider House Rule book, the main, one of the main characters, Dr. Larch, always says to be of use. So that's been my life mantra. That's on my email and I've always wanted to be of use. And even though I'm disabled or have limitations and challenges, doesn't mean that I can't be of use somehow. And so, you know, God has a wicked sense of humor. I mean, he gave me this squeaky voice, but somehow all these years later, even though my sister told me to be quiet in church one time when I was singing too loud, I'm trying to use this squeaky voice to affect change. Well, actually, that's how Jerry and I met because I heard her unique voice and how she like I was like, hey, like, welcome. You know, I know we haven't met. And uh, she's like, oh, yeah, I don't really like talking in these groups because of my voice. And I was like, I love your voice. It's so unique. Like you can tell when Jerry is talking and it's great. She doesn't even have to like identify herself because we know that's Jerry's voice. And I love how that, you know, that's something that you have that most of us don't have is your first of all jerry is an amazing speaker and i'm glad she's on the show because i want everyone to hear that but also you have a unique voice to match your unique story and i love that well thank you yeah um, like i said a long time i don't want it out which sister it was but i'd love to sing those beltable hymns in church that i yeah. call beltable hymns and she's like <laughs> You know, you can't carry a tune, be quiet. And when we were leaving to go to Sunday school, the pastor actually came down from the pulpit. This was 
like I must have been six, seven, or eight years old. So oh. you can do the math. He came down from the pulpit and said, "You can sing as loud as you want anytime you want in church." Yeah. So literally, like with a joyful noise, literally. Right. Um, but thing, oh, but oh, golly gee, I'm sorry. Um, those double nickels do add up. Um, no, that's okay. Oh, so there were times when. I was told I couldn't be a teacher. I had wanted to be a teacher growing up. And they said, oh, you could never command a classroom. I also wanted to be an architect. I loved Brady Bunch, and I loved what Mike Brady did. I wanted to be an architect, and I had a high school drafting teacher. I took drafting. He's like, you'll never be able to be, you know, you'll never be able to be an architect because of the huge drafting tables. I don't even know if people use drafting tables anymore because everything's so digital, you know, but it's too late to kind of. Yeah. It's too late to try to do that part. But all right. these years later, I'm somehow using this squeaky voice. And apparently I can command an audience because a friend came to my first school, quote, gig. I call them gigs. Last yeah. week, a week ago yesterday, to my hometown school district to kind of memor- commemorate the 50th anniversary of starting kindergarten in this school district. And my friend said, Jerry the kids were hanging on your every word. I'm like, really? And cause I, I'm always nervous and I'm, you know, I feed off the energy of the audience and I had three different sessions and some of them were more subdued than others. And she's like, Oh no, no, they were, they were hanging on your every word. And so it's kind of fun to kind of prove those people wrong. Who said I could never command an audience. Yeah. And that's, I feel like that, that and please correct me if I'm wrong with anything. I'm just trying to. So I'm Jerry's facilitator today because she was a little bit nervous about coming on here. But I was like, your story is so important. We need to share it. Um, but so I, what I'm hearing you say, what I feel like I'm hearing you say is instead of assuming someone's limitations, why don't you support them in their choices? Exactly. Ask kindly if there's anything you can do to help instead of assuming you'll need to help a bunch. Exactly. Again, some of my messages to any audience is that it's okay to ask. I know there are other people with varying kind of disabilities, and we're not one monolith group. I mean, there are people right. with Alzheimer's, there are people who have had have you know limbs amputated, people who have been paralyzed for acts. You know, all there are all sorts of different things. But disabilities cuts across. They're not discriminatory. Ironically, they cut across ages, generations, religions, cultures races, identities, uh, gender identities, everything. Right. So you just can't assume that one person stands for one thing or one person likes one thing. But I know that there are people with disabling conditions or limitations who are very adamant that they can do everything on their own. I made it my, my mission, not my mission, I'm not sure the right word, but if anybody was to ever ask me for help, I would either say thank you, kind, you know, say kindly, no, thank you, or thank you, because I never want to dissuade somebody from offering help to somebody else who might be too afraid to ask for it. Right. Well, and like that's that's you know, you have also the right to refuse help, and I feel like some people are like, you have to let me help you. But that's not actually the case either, right? Where you're like, I don't always need help for everything. Like, let me do the things I can do. Right, exactly. And that's, but I'm nice about it because I'm not going to be militant or like, 
you know, be rude because, again, I don't want to dissuade anybody from offering help to somebody else. But I would hope that people who do offer help, that they're not offended and, the, you know, they do it out of the pureness of their heart and they want to help. But, you know, it's OK if the person says no, but, this, you know, I say no, thank you. I appreciate it. But I, this what I got. Or sometimes I'll say, yes, I do. Thank you. You know, much much more when I was mobile and independent and getting around independently. It, you know, this is a funny story. I'd often hold p doors open for the people coming up behind me, but then they would mm -hmm. run up and hold it open for me. So I'd say thank you for holding the door open for them. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> because I want to be of use too. You know, so I always thought that's the polite thing to do is to hold doors open and you know, but somebody would see somebody walking with prosthetics in a cane when I was still walking with prosthetics in a cane. And, right. you know, I have very short arms and they probably thought, oh, she's struggling. And I was, I, you know, I'm actually have pretty strong arms. And so I'd be holding the door open for them. I just love that. It was just always a fun thing. I'm like, okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, and like, that's something that we all have to work on is allowing other people to help us. Because yes. that in that enhances their life, too, when we allow them to help. And I am extremely stubborn and I have three stubborn children, <laughs> three out of three. And I do have difficulty with that. And I really feel like uh, I can see it clearly when I talk to my Mima because she's so determined not to let me help. And I'm like, Mima, you've helped me all these years. Like, can I help you back? And she'll just be like, oh, all right. But it, it helps our relationship. I think it helps how we interact as humans. Like, do you feel like you would love more opportunities to help others and they're just not open to it? Yes. And that's why I would like to do more consulting and more speaking, because I think maybe I've been told by many people to write, I'll, I'll quote the words, that dang book or that other word that right. um d word book and because they think for some reason i do have interesting stories to tell and lessons to share and perspective you know i certainly have I, I feel like i could live inside of a john irving book because my life is so absurd in so many ways but his books have absurd characters with absurdities of life yet they find the humanity in all of them right and I think, you know, my life has been chock full of humanity from other people. And it's a little difficult because I've had people say, you have to let people help you, Jerry. And as you often hear, hear about volunteering, the volunteers get more out of volunteering than the place where they're volunteering, you know. And sometimes people have said to me, which is uh, not so much a hard pill to swallow, but it's, it's humbling. They're, they say, Jerry, people want to help you. It's not to make themselves feel good, but it, it's just something they get out of it. And so they said, you know, allow yourself to be that vessel, which is a hard pill to swallow because as much as I want to be the vessel, and I wrote another essay a long time ago where I said, I'm, I want to be the helper more than the helpie. I'm tired of being the helpie. Right. I want to be the helper. But, you know, if this is part of what I'm supposed to do in life, then I guess I have to come to terms with that, which is maybe part of what's writing that book is supposed to be about. Yes, I know. I don't want to talk too much about that unless you want to. But um, I'm I got to read the first chapter uh, of Jerry's book in progress. And her story is so 
honestly interesting, right? Like, it's not like I'm reading and I am so sad and depressed to read your story. And I feel like someone who's reading your book might expect that. No, it's like, this is, these are the circumstances. This is how I responded. And this is how I chose to move on and pursue my own goals. And for me reading it, I'm like, this is like any other business book, you know? Yeah, I, uh, I did have somebody say to me, so what's your hook? I'm like, I need a hook. I, I mean, right. I've read memoirs of people who have, you know, talked about their difficult childhood in foster care or addiction or dysfunctional family or parents who are addicted. And I'm like, did they necessarily, isn't it just about survival? So I think my book is just about survival. I've used this analogy in many of my writings about the flame of hope. And in my darkest days, Ooh, the flame yeah. has gone very down. It's gone down to embers. The smoke has always swirled, but it's never gone completely black. So that ember has never gone completely out. Sometimes it, the flame is, you know, flickering wildly. And other times it's, you know, very, you know, softer going down to embers. But I somehow I've just found a way to keep going. Not It's not easy. Not always, you know, and... I've had a, a few tough breaks over the last 10 to 7 year, seven to right. 10 years. But I, you know, like I said, God has a wicked sense of humor. And maybe now using this squeaky voice is what I'm supposed to do. All right. Let's take a few seconds for our sponsor break because their business stories matter too. When people ask what you do as a professional, do your palms and pits start to sweat? Do you break out in hives? Well, don't worry. We've got you covered. Today, you can take Literary Symmetry's complimentary 30-minute masterclass to help you craft your one big sentence so that next time you have 60 seconds to share your story, you know exactly what to say. Because your business story matters, sign up today at literarysymmetry.com forward slash pathway. And now, back to our episode about an epic business owner just like you. Well, and that's your hook, right? Like how to keep going when your hope is low, when your hope's running low, when the embers are just, uh, you know, they're hot coals instead of a roaring fire. Yeah, I, I don't know how it is that I do it, so I'm not sure how to put that in a book. I, it's just something that there's just well, something inside that keeps me going. I, I, I can't explain it. I don't know what it is. <laughs> to draw out the what. That's why I ask a million questions. Yeah, that's good. That's what I'm here to help, you know, you tell your story. And um, I do want to, I have made some notes and I would love to have them uh, go over them with you just because I feel like you are you are a champion for inclusivity, right? Like that's what you want in the world. And I was hoping that, um, you know, we could help people who want to be more inclusive understand how to treat people who may have a different life experience than they do. So I'm going to read this and you tell me if it's right or if we need to make any changes, okay? Okay, sounds good. All right, so when you have a friend or family member or you meet someone who has disabilities, treat them like you would any other person as far as calling them by their name and understanding that they are a unique individual just like you. Um, allow them to state their own limitations, give them room to refuse help, and give them an opportunity to help you. 
absolutely spot on, Kristen. Again, okay, I'm going to I'm going to post this in the on the screen just so people can see it, because the, like for I know everyone gets so nervous. This is what you do. Instead of getting nervous, you think about everyone you meet as a person like you who has a unique personality and has unique limitations and just be open to having help from everyone, right? Even people who are able-bodied, like you said, people can accept help. It's not a sign of weakness. And when I, whether it's students or other audiences, I usually tend to open with what's happening, the news of the day, the sports of the day, especially with the students, you know, I mean, the Mets didn't make it very far. The Yankees now have lost two games. And the kids' eyes just like, wow, she knows about sports. So then I used to try, well, you can't judge your book by it. And they all yell in unison cover. <laughs> then I found, I just updated my PowerPoint Google slide presentation with the help of a college student. And we found a really nice quote that says, you know, basically, you can't judge a book by its cover because you'll never know what story you might be missing inside. Oh, yeah, that's good. That is so good. That's true. And your story is amazing. And the last thing that I would love for you to do is um, I think one of the ways that we can help other people understand what our limitations are, like my limitations uh, channel around social anxiety because I experience panic attacks and they're pretty debilitating. Um, so I tell people like the different things that I do when I'm experiencing that just so they can understand me and have a point of reference. Um, but what does your daily, what, what is your day-to-day -day activity look like? Like when you get up in the morning, what does it look like for you so that people can understand you a little bit better and what you are building every single day as you're trying to help people be more inclusive? Well, my days are a lot different from seven to 12, 10 years ago, because I've had some surgeries that have left me more limited. I'm, I'm most of the time bed bound. Unfortunately, I'm not as mobile. I have home health care aides, but I'm trying to get them raises because, you know, there are not enough people who want to do this job because they make less than fast food. So I do some advocacy for that. That's I, awesome. you know, I'm actually... It's a little scary. I made it blown up my life. I just filed a complaint that I felt I was discriminated against when I was stripped of uh, my election work of 30 years last oh. year. Oh, no. Um, so I'm just, you know, I, I talk with the state officials. I, I try to, you know, it's been difficult with the pandemic. All my regular school engagements were kind of wiped off the map, <laughs> um, off the calendar right. the last couple of years, but I've uh -huh. been able to switch to virtual presentation. I did a presentation to Durham College last January up in Canada, no less, about social justice. So I, I just try to keep raising these issues and you know we're all like i said they're very different groups that get attention but people with disabilities were were often overlooked we're not seen as a a block that you know has purchasing power which incenses me no end i um, yeah i like to shop I you know i want to go to stores that have accessible entrances i want to have the people you know say can i help you or you know not ignore me uh, you know, we have people we like to buy Christmas presents for, birthday presents for, you know, we, we are a block of, you know, that you should want to, in, you know, engage and, and yeah. you know, and some, some companies are much more 
intrusive than others. Uh, some just like turn their faces up. I went to Italy for my 40th birthday and one of the hotels I stayed at, which was probably way out of my budget, but I wanted to feel like I was in safe places. I just got the feeling that they it's like, oh, I don't belong in their swanky hotel. And their oh. accessible room was the farthest one away from the elevator. I'm like, could you be any less more? I mean, oh, right. that doesn't make any sense. At it all. made no sense whatsoever. So I just think people, again, unfortunately, people can have a disabling accident or condition. Unfortunately, marathon bombings, you know, uh, military or car accidents right. or what have you. So Anything can happen at any time, and there are many of us who have congenital disabilities from birth. Right. And it just get to know people. You know, we all have, I mean, I, like I said, I love John Irving. You found that out. I love sports. I'm disappointing in the Mets. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I love, you know, Christmas movies. Somebody was asking me about Christmas movies yesterday with us getting x-rays, and, you know, I, I just have a lot going on, and I think you'll be surprised when you talk to people. I mean, I I love history, and I if I could have talked to more World War II history uh, veterans, you know, because we're losing them at a fast rate every day now, I would have loved to hear hear their stories. Oh uh, yes, I know those stories are so full of just the most deep knowledge. Mm -hmm. Yes. So for someone who's listening right right now, right, like this is a podcast for business owners and, uh, you know, executives, and they do have an influence over how inclusive their companies are. What are like two or three things you would tell them to think about if they want to be more inclusive for people who are, um, you know, who are in the disabled population? I would ask um, if they're hiring, you know, they're not supposed to discriminate about a disability. So, you know, reasonable accommodations hold. But also, if you have people in your team already and you're having meetings, you know, don't necessarily put people on a spot, but just let everybody know they have a voice. They want to be seen. They want to be heard. They don't want to be disregarded. They don't want to be overlooked. This goes for Anybody, uh, men, women, LGBTQ, people yeah. of different religions, you know, who might wear different clothing that you're not used to in a meeting. Everybody wants to be seen and heard and not disregarded or not be erased. As I heard someone say the other day, they just want to be acknowledged that we exist. I think we all want to know that we exist. Yes, I, that is such a deep human need. I totally agree. And not a wow, and not erased, right? Like ignored to be like, I don't even want to acknowledge that someone different than me exists. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, even sometimes in chat groups, when I'm in with group chats and I say something, and you know, there'll like there'll be no reaction, and you know, it's always nice when somebody's like acknowledges my presence. But sometimes I just, I like, is it me or is it just something I'm not saying that's pertinent? But it just feels like a, when I am overlooked, it's, I do kind of like wonder, like, what am I doing wrong? So do you think it's helpful then to have advocates for you that know, like, like I know, well, Jerry will just message me her question, right? Because not every day is a day that she wants to have to go through what she has to go through to get on video. 
And because she doesn't show up on video and there are a lot of big personalities uh, in the group that we're in together, you know, like, do you feel like there need to be more advocates for people who necessarily don't feel they can show up or aren't able to show up the same way that others are? Yes. I mean, certainly um, it's it's this is separate. This is a separate issue. But even in hospitals, I was getting scans yesterday and we we're just talking differently, but I've often talked about for people of a certain generation who may know this movie, Terms of Endearment, I'm a single woman. My parents are both gone. My sis, my remaining sisters live, you know, out of state. I don't have a Shirley MacLaine character who will pound on the nurse's station, you know, a scene from that Terms of Endearment movie. And we're often overlooked in hospitals and in healthcare, you know, places because we... And especially me with this squeaky voice, the more upset I get, my voice goes up a few octaves and it does not help my case. I'm definitely not a Kathleen Turner sounding person or, a, you know, James Earl Jones. And my aide said yes today to me when I went off for my scans without her. She's like, how was it? I'm like, they said I was their best patient all day. And she's like, really? I said, listen, Anna, I said, I'm only upset when people don't listen to me or don't want to hear what I have to say. I'm very nice as long as people believe or trust that I know what I'm talking about for myself. Right, right. And not, and I think that in general is a problem with healthcare because I experienced that as well, where I'm talking to my doctor and I know he has notes and he's saying all these things that he said to me before. And I'm like, I already do all that. Why are you making me feel bad again when you know that I already do everything you say? Yeah, and it's I now I, you know I I went to new doctors to hopefully see if they can help figure out what went wrong in these other surgeries, and they're like, we want to help you. And I said, I'm so far not a textbook. I'm not even in a textbook that will be written from ten years from now. And they laughed, and they're like, Yeah, we understand, and you know, you want to have people who want the challenges too. You know, who want to take on a puzzle. And I asked the kids. Don't you feel accomplished when you've done a Rubik's Cube or you've figured out a hard math problem? You would think people want to have these challenges. Yes, I know. I know. And you and I are both that way because we're lifelong learners and we're <laughs> we're like life is a puzzle for us and we're enjoying yeah. figuring it out. But not everyone is that way. And I can understand what you're saying. Yeah, I'm actually going to a trip to Arizona. I haven't traveled in a little while for a fun reason. And my two aunts and my cousin, we are, are 10 years apart. So they're all out in Arizona and I'm making this big trip. But it's a lot of people might think I lay around in bed all day. But there's a, it's exhausting because I have to figure out the logistics of this and that. The airlines, right. the, the van rental, the hotels, how high the bed is, you know, all that stuff. It, it, you know, there's a lot to go into being me that people may not understand well, and that's the thing, right? Do you, is you're saying like just ask me about it? Yeah. Right? Like, not, let give me, a, give me a space to share about this because this is my life. Unfortunately, one of the messages I got from my mom, and I'm sorry, mom, but she said, you know, you're not allowed to feel sorry for yourself, Jerry. You can't let people see, you know, the difficulties, and it's been a really kind of push pull over all these years because I have kept quiet, you know, like you said in, in our, in the group that we're in, I do tend to keep quiet or I don't speak up, but 
and like there was a comment today about standing up and I was like, oh, you know, do I draw attention to the fact that sometimes we can't stand up or walk around in a space? And right. I'm like, no. And yet, yeah, you know, without sharing, how do people understand? So it's and maybe that's, again, the purpose of writing the book is that it's OK to share some of the difficulties because. And even I've had friends who have had, you know, cancer and breast cancer. Unfortunately, a sister of mine died of kidney cancer. Oh. But they always say people, you know, the people who have the condition, they want to be asked. They want, you know, they want to share. And people, right. again, are uncomfortable because they're somehow afraid it's going to happen to them. Right. Or they just don't know how to have that space mm -hmm. for the pain, right? Mm -hmm. And meet it with compassion. Right. But yet I, I say to the audiences, you know, if, would you want somebody to help you if you were struggling? So why wouldn't you help somebody else? So just think about, you know, it's again, trite maybe, but the golden rule, do unto others, you know, don't you want to treat people the way you want to be treated? I mean, it's just as simple as that, I think. Well, and I think there are boundary problems too, right? Like if I ask Jerry how she's doing today and she's not doing well, what do I do with that? Like, it's not my responsibility to fix things for you. Just like I can't even fix certain things for myself. Right. But, you don't have to fix things. I, you right. don't have to necessarily feel like bad. I don't, again, that was the message of my mom. You can't make people feel bad. But it's okay to say, I understand and I'm sorry, or I'm here for you. What can I right. do for you? Do you need this? Or, you know, again, yes. like, like people who have suffered a loss or who have had cancer, you know, like offer tangible things, you know, either right. say, can I do this for you? Or what specific do you, help do you need? Yeah. And I, I've had to learn to do that with my teenagers because I kind of just go into fix it mode. That's my personality. And I've learned that that's extremely, that can be extremely irritating to them. So I've had to learn to say, okay, do you just want me to listen or do you want me to offer solutions? That's a really, that you're, that's good because, you know, sometimes kids just do want to vent. And I know that I've had a lot of friends who said they've learned more from driving their kids around to activities with their friends in the back seat, and that you're just listening and you're hearing. That's right. And yeah, so I think, you know, one thing that our listeners can do is, if you know someone who's struggling, whatever their struggle is, you can open space for them to share without feeling like you have to solve their problem. And that's <laughs> a huge step forward. And please don't feel like I'm or anybody is doing this to bum you out. It's just that we need that release and we need to know it's safe to share what we're going through. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. I feel like it's going to help a lot of different people. So before we go, because we're running out of time, yeah. I, I would love to have you on for more conversations because I love talking to you, Jerry. I love talking um, to you. And I love your glasses. You know, like, can I say that? I love <laughs> I guess I did. I <laughs> These are my favorite ones. Like I had people vote and no one voted for these as their favorite, but these are my favorite. I actually. love them. I I I definitely think they're great. So for people who are looking to work with um, someone who can help them with inclusivity as far as like practical and just thought inclusivity, right? Mm -hmm. um, what is the best way for them to reach you? Well, they can go onto my website, justcallmejerry.com. I have a contact, you know, my phone, my people can feel free to call me anytime. 
I don't have a calendar system yet, but I'm pretty available most of the time. So just email me. I have a really good response rate. Um, I have Instagram. You can message me there. I have a YouTube channel. I mean, there are a lot of different places you can find me, but probably the best way is to email me. Jerry at justcallmejerry.com. Sometimes I get frustrated. I think there's too many Jerry's all around, but it's jerry at justcallmejerry.com is my email. Okay. Let's see. Is this right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you can email Jerry if you want help being more inclusive so that you can help others by meeting them where they are and not assuming anything about their limitations or about what they want to be called or about what they can and can't say, right? Like, let's just be compassionate. Let's make space. And really, you should work with Jerry because she is an expert in this because she has lived it, friends, and she knows what she's talking about. I can't recommend her enough. Jerry, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate you. Oh, thank you. So I appreciate you, Kristen. And compassion is really important because without compassion, we can't deal with the challenges in all of our lives. That is so true. All right. Thank you, friends, for tuning in. And uh, we hope you have an amazing rest of your day. And remember to let compassion guide you as you live out your business story. Talk soon. Talk soon. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to my mom's radical podcast. Cool face emoji. And if you want to be radical like my super awesome mom, then you should totes check out her impact accelerator. You just need to leave a review of this podcast and screenshot that baby and send it to impact at literarysymmetry.com. And like my mama always says, your business story matters. Hey, <laughs> I don't sound like that. Let's do copyright.